Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. And in today's episode, Steve and I talk about the worldwide phenomenon we see in many countries in their churches, where the, the church is a mile wide, but only an inch deep. We get into the ins and outs of this worldwide phenomenon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of Missions Talk. I am Mike Falkenstein. Uh, working here at 1-8 Catalyst, here again with my good buddy Steve Shermer. And Steve, um, we're getting into kind of spring, almost summer, uh, almost summer and uh, I imagine it's starting to get a little uh, warm there in the southeast. You know, I wish I could say that we've had a slight cold front come through. Oh, really? And I had to pull out some long sleeves and jackets. I mean, it's... Wow. I was telling my wife, I'm sick of this. I would just... If it's going to be warm, stay warm. (laughs) But for whatever reason, we've had this freak cold snap come through. Oh, okay. Ah, and it's already the middle of May. So, uh, I... And then we had to turn our heater on. Oh. (laughs) It sounds more like uh, the weather we get here in Colorado. Because in Colorado, we have this back forth for about a month or it's gets warm and then it's in the 40s and then it warm and then it snows and you know it gets a little maddening doesn't it it's like once it gets warm you, we kind of want it to stay warm yes yes you do but you know it's a good day it's a beautiful day outside and it'll warm up soon good. enough and that's um, great you know we've got a good topic here so good morning afternoon evening wherever you're at um, yeah, we're thankful we, you're giving right. us as our mutual friend, Jimmy Vaughn, always says when he does things, we're thankful that you give us your most valuable commodity, which is your time. And so that's we, right. We hope that what we're sharing today is beneficial to you in some way. But if you, mm-hmm. you know, please ask questions, please comment in the in the message box and let us know what you think. And uh, we'll get online and reply to your questions and, and answers and everything else. That's right. And that is a big deal, uh, Steve, isn't it? That uh, people would give us their time that we were very thankful, I think. So, so uh, Steve, today, you know, I had asked if we could do a series of mission talk shows on a uh, phenomenon that I'm sort of seeing. And I know you and I have seen this over the years Um but uh, so maybe to kind of set this up, I'll just give a little background information. So hmm. for those of you for those of you that are not familiar, uh, yeah, I direct this organization called One Eight Catalyst, and so One Eight Catalyst exists to create resources and deliver training that is a catalyst enabling every Christian to reach their world for Christ. And so really, that's kind of a fancy way to say as we create these resources and this training, you know, we want people to be growing spiritually. And then as they're growing spiritually, they go, gosh, maybe God would want to use me to reach others for Christ. And so over the last couple of years, um, as we've been creating these resources, some of the resources, like the book resources that we have, um, have 
gotten a little bit of an audience worldwide. So there have been people that have said, gosh, well, I think we could we could use these resources. And in the conversation with these national leaders around the world, uh, I'm getting this 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 phrase over and over again, which is in our country, our church is a mile wide and an inch deep. And it's a very common phrase that uh, we're seeing, that I'm seeing, and it sort of mirrors what I've seen in our previous work in China, where, you know, the uh, the church was wide, meaning there are a lot of Christians, a lot of people coming to know Christ, but then that depth of their knowledge of, of the Lord and their uh, maybe some of their theological understanding of even simple terms, uh, theological terms was low. And so, Steve, I think as you and I have talked about it, you've you've heard this term before, too, haven't you? I have. And I think it's, uh, you know, I've heard it in many contexts. In fact, my meeting this morning, we were talking about it in a missions context of partnerships. Mm. Okay, we want to go a mile wide, a mile deep with our with partners uh not a mile wide and an inch deep you know we want depth and that's the concept is about depth uh depth maturity we don't want to be just feeding people um milk all the time we want them to have substance we want that's them right to grow in their substance so this in this context is growing in their substance of their walk with christ their knowledge of god's word and their application of what they're learning in god's word yeah, that's right. And so um, I thought, Steve, that it would be good for us to do a series of shows about this concept, because to, to really to sort of highlight it and to sort of bring attention to it and to sort of call ministries to contribute towards this going deeper. Um, and so the, uh, so the plan here, really, in this episode, we're going to talk about the general terms around the global church being a mile wide and inch deep. Why is that the case? Um, what examples have we seen? You know, some of that kind of stuff. And then in our second episode, uh, we're going to have uh, Carl Dolfred, hmm. who is a new friend of mine with OMF, um, the hmm. former China Inland Mission. He's serving in uh, Thailand. And so he uh, uh, has uh, some, some seminary uh, education around this. Uh, and has done a lot of research. And so we're going to bring him in for kind of a deeper dive. And then hopefully we'll have a third guest or a second guest in the third show come along and talk about something we call a disciple-making movement. And so this is really the uh, the one of the key ways that we can add that depth, right? That, uh, you know, so we want to we be adding the depth. And so we, we'll bring someone in to talk about that. So so first, Steve, let's just kind of talk around this idea of, you know, why is the global church a mile wide and an inch deep? And the first thought that came to my mind simply was that it does seem like we have more ministries doing kind of the evangelistic work and not enough doing kind of the equipping discipling work. And so uh, is that what uh, is that what uh, you've seen as you look at the global church, Steve? I think so. I, I think I think what I see is I see on one one part of the spectrum, we see people who are just focused on evangelism. Uh, on the extreme side of it, we see people just focused on um, training uh, leaders 
but it's that it's almost like that middle part of the spectrum, which is the bulk of it. Uh, we're not seeing where it's being, where it's being translated. I mean, I know people who do crusades and I'm not, um, I'm not against crusades, but Mm -hmm. my question always ends with, well, how are they being followed up with? I mean, Mm, right. Are you, and if the answer is, well, the local churches, well, well, how are the local churches following up? I mean, when we do something like that, I don't think we should just assume local churches are following up. I think we right. need to have an idea because if we're doing this front work of evangelism through the process of a crusade, then we should be in agreement that their follow-up is is um, uh, effective. I mean, otherwise, if we don't know that, we're just making the assumption because it's a, a local church, mm, then right. we may not actually be do, making a bigger, as big of a dent as we think we are. Um, and it's I'm not right. suggesting that we control the follow-up or anything like that. It's just having an understanding of what it is. That way we're partnering with the right people, not just partnering with any, anyone and, and everyone just because they say they're a local church. Because some churches, as you know, Mike, and I've experienced this when I lived in Asia, all they cared about was numbers. I right. was friends. He was a good friend of mine who told me now it's about 11 years ago. Uh, this year, where I sat in uh, his home and we talked about discipleship. We talked about disciple making and equipping the believers in the church to multiply outside the church in their community. And he said to me very specifically, I will worry about discipleship as soon as we have the numbers. And what he meant was, as soon as I get my congregation up to a certain size so that my congregation can financially support the church, then Mm. I will concern myself with discipleship. All right. And my argument was, or my counter argument was, (laughs) isn't discipleship going to help your church grow? As you disciple the believers, they will make other disciples. And as you make other disciples, your church is naturally going to grow or multiply one of the two. Uh, But his thinking was the exact opposite. So, Oh, right. That is interesting. That is really interesting. So, yeah, so we definitely have a focus, I think, as Christians and maybe Christian leaders in particular on this idea of the numbers, right? Maybe we could say we get, I think we get too caught up with the numbers. And mm-hmm. um, what we find worldwide, and that includes in the United States, that, you know, these numbers sometimes turn out to be. Now, we don't call them false numbers, but they turn out to be kind of weak numbers, or I don't know what we would call false that. Security. But I, yeah, that's right. So I have an example of that. So my this new friend Carl, who we'll have on the next episode, uh, wrote an article about this on the OMF website, and so I'm going to take just a sort of a a little clip from his uh, from his uh, article. And so because he's in Thailand, he had an example from Thailand. So back in December of 2009, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, which, you know, we all love. They do a fantastic job um, together with some Thailand church uh, denominations and organizations sponsored a project called My Hope Thailand. And so My Hope Thailand was a TV program that they did. Uh, they had a series of, you know, videos on uh, uh, VCD, which is kind of their version of a DVD. Oh, right? I remember those. 
Yeah, VCD. That's right. I do too. And so for home viewing and so the, the programs, you know, had testimonies and music videos from, from Thai, uh, you know, artists who'd become Christians and it was kind of a big deal. And so they called it my hope Thailand. And so they reported that there were 12,000 Thai people who came to know Christ and made decisions mm -hmm. for Christ. And so many in the Christian community, of course, both in Thailand and abroad, were just very excited about, wow, look what you know God did. And there were 12,000 people, mm -hmm. and they came to know Christ and sure. this whole business. Well, a year later, there were a couple of researchers that went and kind of wanted to see what the end sort of results were, right? And mm -hmm. They wanted to see if the final results were as impressive as the the first outcome of the 12,000 indicated. Uh, they discovered, however, and I'm just going to read this, that there was no correlation whatsoever between the number of baptisms in a church, in the Thai churches, and whether or not it had uh, they had participated in the national, uh, the national campaign. And so we see this a lot, and where the initial numbers uh, don't end up resulting in a lot of either increased church attendance or baptisms or, and so it just kind of left them sort of wondering, you know, what happened to these 12,000 people? And when they did this, this initial campaign, uh, there wasn't a lot of thought into the, uh, you know, the, the, the follow-up. So I guess Steve, the first, I want to mm -hmm. say, as I even think about this article, we love evangelistic campaigns. I think sure. both of us uh, proclaiming the gospel is something that Jesus himself, uh, like possible. in Mark, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it has, has commanded us to do. So that's really important. Hmm. We love all of that. I guess the, um, the, one of the things that I would like to emphasize is, boy, if you're, if you're feeling called to do that, just make sure you've got a really solid plan for follow-up. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think yeah, I mean you've you've got you like I said earlier, you've got to know what the local churches are going to do. You got to I think I think it's wise for us to know. Otherwise, you know, all this money whatever it costs, it's a lot of money to spend. It's a lot of money for and the people who who usually do these campaigns, it's usually a westerner. You know, they're mm -hmm. walking into a country in either Africa or Asia or South America doing these campaigns. Uh I would probably, the vast majority of them are Americans doing it. I mean, it's a lot of money to pull stuff like this off. Yeah, it really is. And so the question is, is spending all that money really reaching the people or are they really being followed up or is it something else? I mean, I've talked to nationals in four countries, in Africa and across Asia, asking them about campaigns, uh, um, evangelistic crusades. Oh, okay. Not asking them in a way what, hey, let's discourage it, but I just curious, like, what is your point of view? Like, who's coming to them? Who are they reaching? Because I hear one thing in the U.S., but is this really what's happening in your country? Now, these are not people who did research. They didn't go out and, you know, talk to these churches. They're, they're just giving their um, perspective based on their point of view, their vantage point. Right. But in these four countries, each person told me basically the same thing. Uh, the people showing up that are supposedly making decisions, for the most part, not 100%, but the vast majority, are nominal Christians. Okay. It's, it's not oh. the um, 
people coming from the Muslim, Hindu, or Buddhist world. It's people from coming from some sort of a Christian background who has exposure to Christianity, who has exposure to Christians. Uh, those would be the bulk of the people showing up. Oh, okay. Uh, and making decisions. And, but, you know, like my friend that I mentioned also, I would have a hard time actually wanting to recruit him if I did a crusade. <laughs> you know, because as much as I oh. love the guy and he was dear to me, or, or is still, uh, he's he has shown that he's not really interested in follow-up like that. He's he's interested in the numbers and, and I'm not suggesting everyone's like that, but you know, they do as ex and I think this example of Thailand, my hope Thailand, um, I'm glad the researchers went in. I think I wish more of that would happen, not to discredit ministries or to rub it in someone's face, but we need to know what's really we happening. We, we mm -hmm. need to know if it's really helping. Or not. So having these people come in and, and do the follow-up a few years later, gosh, that's I'm glad they did it to help shed some yeah. light on it. Yeah, me too. Me too, definitely. Because um the goal, and I was just you were thinking you were talking, Steve, I was just thinking about the uh, you know, we have to look at what is the real goal here uh, biblically when we're whenever we're doing ministry, right? So uh we're not called exclusively to just make converts, right? We are actually called by Jesus in Matthew 28 to make disciples, yep. right? So so that's the actual goal. And so when you start a campaign like that, the goal should be, yes, we, we do want to proclaim the gospel, but our goal here is to make disciples. And in fact, uh, if we if we take a look at uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, Paul's uh, goal in sort of instructing Timothy was, uh, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will be able to teach others also. And so the goal really is to make disciples that make disciples. Hmm. Right. So uh, so maybe part of the are is we try to figure out what the real problem is here and some initial solutions. It would be a we're probably evangelistic campaigns are not doing that very much. And B would be, boy, if you're doing an evangelistic campaign, do that. But with that in mind, that we're actually here to make disciples that make disciples. And I think that would probably change the nature of your campaign, right? It's like, we're not doing this unless we have local churches that are on board. Their people are trained on how to, you know, ha help people grow spiritually how to fully identify with Christ and, you know, know how to read God's word effectively and know how to pray and some, what we would call the spiritual disciplines. You know, we're not going to do that unless everyone that we are trusting God for to make that decision then has a direct, uh, you know, uh, pipeline to more of a disciple making <laughs> process. Right. I mean, that's, that seems like a good, plan, don't you think? Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think wins, and we know they exist, and I'm not against a multi-pronged right. approach, whether it be crusades or one-on-one -on -one evangelism. I think they're both needed to some degree. I just lost myself. There I am. Anyway, <laughs> no, they're both needed. I mean, the disciples didn't do it just one way. I mean, you have the, the disciple-making movement side in the world today who are adamant that that's all the disciples did. 
That's not true. I mean, the disciples actually stood up in large crowds at times and preached to thousands mm-hmm. at one time. And then they went and they preached in smaller groups and more of a house church. I mean, it was a multi-pronged approach on their part. And, That's right. And, but I'm okay that, you know, most people today are going to choose one or the other. Perfectly fine. We're gifted in different ways. But if, you know, but we do know that... Uh, those who tend to be more gifted in evangelism, you know, that's their key spiritual gift. You know, I, I get it. I have the same heart. I'm not the gifted evangelist, but I get where a lot of them are coming from. We just got to reach them for the Lord. You know, we. it's better mm-hmm. that they get saved than not saved in the end. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree to a point, but I stop because I don't stop there because Jesus, like you said, he didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. So if That's our right. gift is evangelism and we're not uh, superbly gifted in hardcore relational discipleship, which I know some not, it's, it's, it's not their strength then God still gave us a brain and we need to use it and say, okay, my gifting is here. My gifting is outreach, evangelism, sharing the gospel. God's given me a gift to lead people to Christ in large numbers. I know people like that. We need them. I'm not that. So praise God for them. But let's, I need to pair up with someone who is it, who is mm. more relational, who's gifted That's right. in the area of disciple making and discipleship, where we can play off. It's like the body of Christ. If the arm is the whole body suffers. Because the whole body can't right. be the arm. The whole body can't just be the mouth. The whole body can't, can't be the right eye. There are many parts of the body. We need to come together. We need to work together. We need to think about how we all fit together. And we need to figure out how we operate together. Uh, rather than just working um, as isolated, individualistic people who don't need anyone else. Um, because we do need each That's other. That's good. And so I, I do think that's exactly right. A lot of people don't like to use the word strategy and things like, but strategy is just really thinking through how do we do this? That's all it is. How do we do this the best way we can with the resources and the gifts that we have? That's all you're doing. Um, God didn't just call that's us right. to just float in the air and just move with the waves and see where it goes. That's, that's, I just don't find that in scripture. So um, yeah, so I'm all for working together and figuring this out and working and working it within our gifts, but working within our gifts along with other people with other gifts to see that disciples are made and converts are, are not just made, but disciples mm. are ultimately made. That's it. That's right. And I love that, Steve, just the idea of pairing together uh, far too often in our, in the Christian ministry world, you know, we do want to sort of do it on our own. Uh, maybe because we want, quite frankly, the credit for it, <laughs> right? Uh, we want to be able to write about it in a newsletter or uh, whatnot on our website. And yet, uh, boy, I often think all the way back to very early on, very, very beginning of my ministry career, um, I was on staff with the Navigators. And, uh, you know, the Navigators are known for disciple making. That's really what they do. And, Uh, On our campus, uh, where I first started off at Colorado State University, um, Campus Crusade at the time, now called Crew, uh, they were good at the evangelism side. Mm -hmm. And 
it was such a revelation for us to go, well, maybe we could work with them. Hmm. And they said, yeah, maybe we could work with you. I mean, they were good at one thing. We were good at the other, you know, the other side. And, uh, you know, even did some joint um, projects together. And, you know, we uh, when we kind of set aside our our desire to do this, uh, you know, <laughs> hmm. on our own, so to speak, um, you know, it reminds me of the old uh, Ronald Reagan quote, right, that uh, um, that uh, a man who isn't really concerned about who gets the credit is no real limit to how far he can go or what he can accomplish. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so, Steve, as as we begin to sort of uh, wrap up the episode, I did want to just kind of tease what's coming next. I know that uh, we're going to talk about one of the solutions, which is this. um uh, ministry, what would you call it? Just a, a category called disciple making movements or DMM is what we talk about a lot of times. And I know that with your ministry, you're, you're cur- currently doing that. And so I'm wondering, um, because you know, when we, when we talk about disciple making, it is when people become fully devoted followers of Christ that they want to share and they want to, you know, um, they, they want to help others grow spiritually Right. So um, hopefully in our third episode, we'll have kind of an expert coming in and talking about that. And with this uh, disciple making movement, there are organizations that are creating resources to help with that, isn't there? Yeah, it is. uh, And generally the resources, it's not about making this complicated. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a Mm. pastor. And in fact, the non-theologians and the non-pastors are the ones who most excel at these methods, at these types. Say we don't need pastors or elders. We need those. Those are completely biblical. Um, Because there's an argument that DMM does not include that. Wrong. Um, Mm. I think the healthy ones do include those. Um, But for the average Joe, the average Christian (laughs) Joe and Joette in the pews, uh, these are simple methods to help them learn how mm. to go out just to share their faith, how they became a Christian using their testimony. Uh, and there's different ways to do that. And then uh, finding those people who are sensitive, leading them to Christ, and then how to walk with them through Scripture. And it's not, te- again, not teaching them deep theological things all the time, but it's merely teaching them, passing along to them what you've already been taught by others. Mm. All right. Kind of the second Timothy two two idea again. Yes, as you learn yeah. more, you'll be able to pass along more. Mm. Um, you don't need to throw the Bible at them and say, "Learn all this today," or else you are not a Christian. That's you know, we all just retain ninety, you know, ten percent of most of what we hear, anyways. Maybe even less. Oh. Right. So we give them. It's the idea we give people a little bit of a chunk of the Bible at a time. Let okay. them chew on it, let them apply it, let them learn how to obey it before they learn more. Uh, believe me, I, I've seen it. I believe people actually grow. Um, they become more mature quicker. Not that time is um, the goal, but you can learn a lot of the Bible and not apply any of it. That's right. Okay. You can be fat in the head in your knowledge and, and completely lacking in action. Mm. Okay. I mean, Satan mm-hmm. himself knows more about the Bible than you or I. That's why he's trying to convince us to stay away from it. That's right. So yeah, he, he knows it's power, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, in my Analyze. opinion, it's best just give a little bit at a time every week, let them learn, 
Let them obey, let them apply, let it become part of their life, let them grow and let them pass it on. It uh, doesn't mean we just throw one thing a year at them. It's, it's just a little bit every week. And mm. it's just learning what awesome. scripture is saying and how does it apply to our life and then up, obeying it in our life. Mm, I love that. That's really great because it really sort of mirrors, Steve, what I found in the um, men that I've invested in in this process as well, that really it's none of it is that hard, especially if you've had someone that's taught you. Right. So it's very simple to, hey, let's just go through how we how we read the Bible properly and how do we begin scripture memory and how do we pray and what is fasting and, you know, these things that we call the spiritual disciplines and just getting them to incorporate that into their daily lives. And you see God at work again through the power of scripture. And before you know it, they go, yeah, the things you've taught me, Mike, I can, you know, I challenge them to go find someone else to, you know, do that same thing. And again, they can do it because they've done it with me and I did it with the guy that discipled me. And so you know, none of it is that hard. And it's just in really encountering God's word and God in our lives, seeing him change. And, uh, you know, I mean, when uh, uh, in Hebrews, when scripture says that the, you know, uh, that the word really is a uh, double edged sword, right, uh, <laughs> dividing between. Uh, mm. bone and marrow, it is really true. I mean, it really does a work. I mean, God does the work through the Bible. So, uh, so Steve, as we end this episode, any final thoughts from you maybe about what we've talked about or what we have coming or uh, what are some, yeah. uh, some final thoughts from you? Actually, as you were, as I finished answering and you were sharing your thoughts, a, a th a, another component came to mind that I think is critical in the DMN. Okay. Um, and there, again, there's many, many forms of it that are out there. Uh, one element and, and one would maybe argue, well, it's in, you know, it's in the traditional church. I would actually argue it's not that um, present in the more established traditional brick and mortar church. And that is accountability. Mm. You know, if I want right. accountability in uh, any church I've ever been in, it's because I'm personally and intentionally seeking it out and trying to develop. But the reality is 90, I would bet 99% of the Christians are, they're not intentionally seeking it out and churches aren't offering it. I mean, they offer it, but they're not applying it. You know, mm. we teach, we give information, we encourage, and none of that's bad, but without that accountability, we're not, people are not going to apply what they're learning most of the time. And that's so, right. Within the DMM framework, speaking, all the methodologies I've looked at, you know, uh, four fields, tr training for trainings or T for T, discovery Bible studies, and there's, there's others out there, uh, will include built-in uh, designed accountability uh, within the framework. You just can't run from it, avoid it. I mean, to avoid it is just to not be a part of it. You're just going to have to all walk right. away. Because if you, oh, if you live within the framework of, of how this operates, then you're going to be held accountable and you're going to need to hold other people accountable. It's not micromanaging. It's, hey, what did we learn last week? Okay, we share what we learned last week. How did you apply it this past week? Mm. 
Who did great. you share that that nugget of truth with this past week? Because that's awesome. those are the things we're encouraging every week to mm-hmm. apply it um, and to share it. Find mm-hmm. someone to share this with. Because as That's they're right. learning to share it, they're they're only learning how to share spiritual truths, which inadvertently help them learn how to share the gospel ultimately in the end, anyways. Mm. So, uh, the accountability part is probably the most critical component of DMM mm, because I would agree. it is naturally built into it, whether you That's like great. it or not. That's and right. If you want to stay part of it, you're going to have to accept it. Um, but it's good. Account- we all need it. Uh, otherwise, none of us would likely do anything. Uh, yeah, we that's, would just no, you're exactly right. Soak it in. I've done it. I, I'm, Mike, you've probably done it too. We learned something. Oh, that's really good. Apply it. And then no one holds me accountable. So, so I forget it by the time I get to lunch. And then I'm wondering, what did I learn last week? What did I learn just two hours ago? You know, <laughs> accountability is critical. Yeah, it really is. It really is. In fact, we could do almost a whole show on that, right? It's so <laughs> maybe important. Maybe we should. Yeah, maybe we should. So the uh, when you were talking, Steve, just quickly, I was thinking about, uh, um, I have a pastor friend who, um, when he sees anyone from his congregation and they begin a little chat of some kind, mm. he'll ask them almost right away. Uh, so tell me, I'm just curious, what are you learning from God's word over the last week? And um, I mean, his pur- his purpose really is that he he has a commitment for his people to be spending time in God's word. So they know when they see him, he's going to ask that. And so it actually has turned out to be um, good in terms of, boy, when I see my pastor, he's going to ask me this. I need so to have I better an learn something, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> right. So, uh, well, Steve, for me, as we end the episode, my uh, my final thoughts would simply be. You know, as it relates to hopefully folks are, are putting this together as it relates to the the topic, which is, you know, we're trying to address this mile wide and an inch deep, uh, um, you know, issue and really problem within our global church. You can see where as we invest in that disciple making movement mm-hmm. material and training, we're hoping I mean, the hope there obviously is that we. Um, you know, uh, would be a part of solving that problem because we don't want the global church to be a mile wide and inch deep, right? Yeah. I mean, there are limitations to its effectiveness to reach others for Christ if they're only an inch deep, right? So, um, and then also for those watching today, if this is hitting anyone in a particularly um, uh, heartfelt way, uh, there is just so much incredible opportunity worldwide to be involved in adding that depth. I mean, the fact that, you know, all this translation of our materials is anything that we looked for. We didn't expect that. We didn't go into writing any of this, you know, content thinking that that would happen. And at the very mention of the so the book that is being translated primarily is a book on the six marks of a disciple of Jesus. So it's, mm. okay, I've become a Christian, and now what? What does that actually look like? And so I would just say if anyone um, has any kind of a heart for this, just know there's an almost an unlimited amount of, I mean, you could make a full lifetime of ministry just adding depth, and you could just pick one place really, you know, just, you know, if you have a heart for Kenya or 
Brazil or, you know, anywhere around the world, there's just a tremendous need. And so uh, part of my heart would be that that there would be some that would say, gosh, you know, God's God's touched my heart in such a certain way. So, um, well, Steve, I, I know we've got a uh, uh, it's a good series. I'm glad that we're doing it. I'm hoping that it does have an impact in people's lives. And we're just so thankful that you've joined us. Um, well, actually, and... before you end, I'm sorry, I'm going to uh, no, interrupt. Please. I don't mean to be rude. I'm just want to interrupt. I want to no. add something to what you just said. Bef- my final, okay, final please. thoughts plus disclaimer. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> number one, I, I highly endorse uh, Mike's book, The Marks of a Disciple. The seven marks. marks. Yeah, six. Six marks of a disciple. Yeah. I've read it, but I've endorsed it. Um, it is really a simple, it's not a long book. It's, it's a book slash study and Mm, like a workbook. Yes. Um, great examples, great train of thought in each of the chapters for each mark. So I I highly recommend getting it Mm, if you haven't, um, it'd be great for a small group study as well. Um, and just helping you learn what a disciple is, uh, the disclaimer I want to say, so I'm very pro DMM as Mike has already implied. Right. And you know, we have people doing it within our organization, but I, you know, I just want to say this because I know there's, there's a naysayers to the DMM, um, methodology and mindset. I do not. And I know Mike doesn't either. We don't believe that DMM is the tool that's going to fix everything and growing someone spiritually. Okay. It is a tool. It's an effective tool. It's great Mm. at getting the average Christian engaged and moving in disciple making. I believe it does tremendous work in that, but there are many ways to add that we need to be adding to that. Like Mike's book, uh, six marks of a disciple, like preaching from a preaching context from a pastor. Um, Things like that, you know, it's, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of things we can in our spiritual lives to grow and mature in our walk with Christ. Um, But in terms of getting people moving forward in obeying the Great Commission in making disciples and not converts, uh, DMM plays a very um, solid role in helping foster that environment. So Mm. anyways, I wanted to give that disclaimer as well. Uh, but also just give a, a thumbs up to your book because it is good. Well, thank you so much for that. It's been fun to see just how God's used it and and translated um, it. It's it's exciting to see how God's yeah, you know, you're yeah. translating in the different languages too. Yeah, to have different people. What would it take to to get this translated uh, for our, our ministry in our country has been uh, a real joy. So absolutely. Uh, so. Well, Steve, uh, yeah, we we are excited about this, and we are, you know, we're hopeful that many of you who are watching will get excited and and contribute towards, you know, not just the evangelistic work, but then kind of adding that depth. And so, for mm. those that are doing evangelistic work, please um, consider partnering with a ministry that does more of the depth part, or you know, that could even just be local churches that, you know, would have the, the ability. And then, you know, again, for those who are watching and go, gosh, maybe God would want me to be involved in some ways. A lot of opportunities. So you can get in touch with us actually on our 
Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash missions talk. Uh, send us a message. We'll be quick to reply. And um, yeah, we're now we look like we we wanted to do a three part series. It may be a little bit more. So we'll have to see. But um, we're so thankful that you're joining us. Be sure to share this content if it's been uh, useful to you. And uh, we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk. To find out more about Missions Talk or to watch previous episodes, please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk. It is on our Facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes. To find out more about my organization, 18 Catalyst, please go to 18catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to silkroadcatalyst.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.